2: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on black and white and red all over. I'm your host, Danny, coming to you for episode number 70. And just a reminder, if you want to listen to us on your favorite podcasting platform, you can subscribe to us on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe to us on Spotify and Google Podcasts as well, so black and white and red all over there. So as, we come, as we're coming as we coming to you here, a day after Juventus' 1-1 draw against Inter Milan at the San Siro, a very raucous and 0, and Juventus left it late in terms of getting a point, and somewhat in the same kind of fashion, albeit a different kind of fashion in which they scored their goal, than the midweek game against Zenit St. Petersburg in Russia. So, to talk about all of this, let me bring in Chucks. Hello, Chucks.
0: Good
2: afternoon,
0: it is. Good afternoon, man. Yeah, uh, as I was saying before uh, we started recording, this has uh, been the most positive run of Games we've had in a long time, so you know, lots of uh, lots of positivity.
2: We did the math and everything.
0: Yeah, quick math, you know, quick
2: math, <laughs> quick, math quick counting, all that good stuff. And we've got Sergio Romero. Hello, Sergio. Hey, folks. Happy to be here. Happy to to contribute to this
3: podcast as usual. And you know, just just yeah, I I I don't know. Lately, the team has been you know making us happier than usual. So. Can't complain too much. I, you know, if we want to dive right in, we can dive right in. But for the first time in like a few years, uh, I just I kind of still felt that we had a chance to get the results in the end, both against Senate and against Center. Which I know this seems like a like a bunch of nothingness because it's nothing like concrete. But it, it's just a feel thing. Like at least the last couple of years, I was like, oh, we're down in the last like five ten minutes. Like that's it. I guess we're losing this game. Like. It just, it, I, I never really sensed that we were in it or that we had a chance or something. And for whatever reason, the last couple of games, you just sort of felt that, you know, they were knocking on the door, that, that the ch- that there were chances to be had. And, and that was just a nice change of pace, I think.
2: So well, essentially what you're saying, Sergio, is that your gut feeling has turned for the better. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. That, that was <laughs> much better put in like
3: fewer words. But yeah, pretty much that.
2: Yes, I I can also say that my gut feeling, if you want to call it that, was was more positive than say, oh I don't know, when Juventus and Inter played last year or the year before under two different managers. And Chuck's, I will I will throw it to you with this. Obviously, we would like your your thoughts on on the on the game yesterday against Inter, but also just in general, how were you feeling as Juventus obviously played better in the second half as compared to a. a kind of an up and down first half, but also just try to scratch and claw and then got some VAR help from the referee to finally allow Paulo Dybala to get a the game time goal from the penalty spot.
0: Yeah, for the first time in a long time, I'm actually going to say something positive about VAR. Miss, so Mr. Uh,
2: pessimistic is getting positive. That's yeah, how yeah. you know the tides have turned.
0: <laughs> well, well, just positive about VAR. Let's okay. Not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, let's not, Let's uh, take it step by step now. <laughs> no, I mean even even positive in general though. Yeah, I mean on the VAR note, you know, I've been very critical of VAR, and I mean I still kind of have general reservations about it in the sense that I. Still, do think it 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 causes uh, it causes referees to officiate too much about like minutia of like of, of fouls of, of incidents. Whereas in the past, it will just be like, "All right, that's too like inconclusive," so we'll just let it go. Now, every you know piece of minutia gets uh, analyzed and stuff. But anyway, that's you know let's not uh, make it a VAR discussion because yeah, I mean, this was probably the correct uh, decision. It was. Uh, it's a bit of a clumsy uh, foul by uh, my compatriot Denzel Dumfries, but yeah, I mean, you know, there was contact. You know, he missed the ball. It was uh, surprisingly inside the box. Uh, that was one of those where it, it on, at first sight you thought, "Oh, it's for sure not in the box." Uh, and I remember I was watching, um, I was watching the game. I think that's yeah, Spanish commentators, and uh, and you know they were saying like oh yeah it's for sure not outside the box like oh yeah it might be a foul but it's for sure not inside the box pardon but then they looked at it and they were like oh wow would you look at that it's actually inside the box so uh yeah no good uh you know good uh piece of uh, officiating for us there so that was uh
2: that that's where the the one camera angle they had that was basically right down the line for the 18 yard box really came in handy because you could actually tell that sandro's foot and i'm do you know i'm gesturing with my hand that it was a couple inches but it was literally yeah. a couple of inches inside of the box and that's what that's what made the difference and if it weren't for that camera angle i don't know if they would have been able to call it a penalty
0: yeah yeah exactly and but then we also saw the other side of that which was well the not um, the not so great side of it which was when bernardeski went down with his injury which was uh, and this is one thing i have been talking about for a long time, just how since the introduction of VAR, uh, linesmen basically do not flag for offside anymore. Uh, they just wait till either the play is like 10 seconds later, or they just say like, ah, VAR will do it. Which from what I hear, referees are, or sorry, linesmen rather, uh, are given the instruction to just, in the, in case of benefit of the doubt, keep the flag down and just let it go to VAR. But that's a in basically always just let it, leaving your flag down and then either waiting 10 seconds later to uh, raise the flag or to, I mean, just to let it go to VAR, uh, which, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I I think it's just outsourcing your decision making to technology, which I kind of have a problem with. But um, anyway, regarding the game itself, you know, that's a long preamble to get there. But no, I mean, it's it's funny. It's usually with Juve, it's, it's the kind of common story of we play a great first half and then a very uh, well, iffy second half. Uh, this time it was a complete, you know, complete opposite. Uh, we had a very, very poor first half. I thought um, it was just not. Yeah, I mean, things just weren't running. It it's weird. It wasn't really a game of individual mistakes or the half anyway of individual mistakes. It just wasn't. Nothing was really moving. Nothing was like we didn't really have many attacks going, and it just um, inter. I thought Inter dominated the first half and. I mean, probably deservedly went into the break, uh, 1-0 up. And, um, yeah, things just weren't flowing. I I think the ball was really just not getting to attack very well. And, you know, I'll get to that point later on, kind of the difference between the first half and second half. But, um, yeah, it just seemed that the ball wasn't getting from defense slash midfield into attack, or it would just get there. And, you know, there just just wasn't any, yeah, there, there wasn't any, you know, pass, pass, okay, stop keep the ball, pass again. It was really just pass, pass to the front. Kuliszewski would get it or Morata and it just would kind of, I don't know, bounce away or the ball would just, uh, yeah, we'll just lose possession. So I guess, yeah, fluidity or just kind of coherent attacking moves were uh, were really quite lacking. And it actually made me think, you know, of, and I probably don't mention this enough, but um, when a team plays poorly, I think we slash I focus too much on you know, okay, in this case, Juve played poorly first half, so, okay, Juve played poorly but the focus sometimes is too much on that instead of saying well, you know what, Inter actually just played really well, um, which I know is blasphemous to say, but I'll admit, I mean, Inter played a very good game overall, I think uh, but especially first half I um, mean, yeah, I think they were just better and, and, you know, they just yeah made us look um, pretty bad uh, in the first half so, um, and, and that's kind of like the Chelsea, uh, game that we won where I think I mentioned that, um, I jokingly mentioned that I was grateful to Chelsea for choosing that game to play their worst game of the season. And then for Juve to play that game as their best game in the season. Uh, but again, I think we just played a very good game then that made Chelsea look poorly. So same thing here with Inter and, uh, and Juve. And yeah, and then we recovered in the second half, you know, we, uh, um, definitely credit the substitutions, and you know we'll talk about that later, of course. But definitely, uh, you know, give Allegri cre- credit for that one for good substitutions, um, despite you know poor first half. Just to uh, yeah, just to recover the team. So uh, um, yeah, but we'll get we'll get on the point of substitutions later. I don't want to you know ramble on that too much, of course.
3: And and I, I think that you know we a lot of people, including myself a little bit, I'll admit it just kind of discounted Inter because they lost their coach. Uh, They lost arguably two out of the three best players in, in in Lukaku and and Hakimi in the summer transfer window. So it's like, okay, this team is going to be, you know, a lesser version of themselves. And that might end up uh, proving true, but this is by no means a bad team. Uh, I hadn't really had a chance of, of really watching a bunch of Inter matches. That's not something that I, like to do in my free time. But the, the the reality is that this is a good team. This is still a really good team. I think Insagi has them playing really well. And you know they, they might not end up being the the champions of, of Italy back to back. Who knows? But despite the fact that they they did lose those guys and they are very good players, this is still still a really good team. And you know I think we got sometimes as fans, I think as Yuba fans, we got used to the fact that we're just going to beat everyone. And now it's like, okay, maybe you do get beat in the first half because that's a really good team out there. Like this is not I don't think it's the same scenario as in early in the season when they were dropping points against teams that you could clearly see that they were better than like it's like there's no reason why. Empoli should be giving you problems, but when you face a team like Inter, who is a very well coached, very well drilled team that has very talented players, that has you know guys like you know Nicolò Varela, who for my money that guy could walk into any starting eleven in the world. Like they have really talented guys, and, and
2: <laughs> Barella is so good.
3: <laughs> he is he's so, so good. Like that dude. Like honestly, I think, I think he's like top five midfielder in the world right now. Like it's not even an exaggeration. Like I think that dude could walk into any team in the world and, and you know, be a starter. Like, the he's just really good. And Inter has players like that. So, sure, I, I agree with Chucks in the sense that they got out playing in the first half. But, you know, that's going to happen against good teams. And I, I, I regret to inform you that Inter is indeed a good team. Like, they are, they are good. So, overall, I, I think, you know, that results, you know, coming via VAR, coming via, you know, whatever, I think it's a good result to get a draw away at Inter.
0: You know, it's funny, on uh, just on that Barella uh, note, it really r- reminds you of Chiesa in many ways. Uh, that same kind of short-ish frame, both brilliant players, and both have just this annoying <laughs> facial expression. When <laughs> they're irritated, like when
2: they're like "ma che cosa," and they're just like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just the it's just the ultimate Italian Italian facial expression. It's the most
0: exaggerated like facial expression ever. I just I just saw it yesterday. I thought, my god, you guys are like the exact same, just hyper exaggerated
2: che cosa" bitum. <laughs>
3: Oh, just it's, it's one really of those crazy. things that like, like you said, like with Chiesa, like if he played in any other team, I would hate him so much yeah, like, just same, because same. Like, it's like it's like Juan Cuadrado. Like to me, Juan Cuadrado is the player that I just I would absolutely despise if he played in any other team because he also like he never thinks he committed a foul ever like in his mind he's never committed a foul and every time he loses the ball it's because they fouled him like every single time and just one of those annoying traits is like if he if he was in any other team I would hate him but because he's on my team it's like like it's fine it's part of who he is it's it's a it's a charming charming little little knack
2: you know I mean Borello's energy and just his overall work rate I mean that that was why inner was able to do what they did i mean he was covering so much ground especially in the first half when they were pressing and you know i feel like that's what in part at least allowed juventus to have a better second half is that it felt like inner just was i mean they just weren't able to keep up the press for you know even 60 minutes with how hard they came out of the gate and i mean luckily you know Allegri made the changes when he did bringing on Dybala and Chiesa and obviously there are going to be the the folks who are saying well why didn't he bring why didn't he start Chiesa or anything like that but yeah I Inners press in the first half was so damn impressive because Juventus outside of a couple a couple trips forward and a couple shots on goal they really I mean they they couldn't string many passes together I mean you look at the final stats and I think I mentioned this this in the post game thread, there were I think two two starters from Juventus who had over a ninety percent pass success rate, and one is one of them was Chesney. So that just shows you kind of how how much the first half really was just kind of Juventus hoping and praying they could survive or weather the storm or however you want to describe it. And then obviously the the, the subs in the second half helped help change things.
3: And, and I think that they really, you know, a guy that to me. I wouldn't say he. It was a bad game, but I do think that he struggled a lot. Was uh, Manuel Locatelli? I think this is the first below average game he's had for Juve. I think he's been really good pretty much every time he's he stepped on the pitch, but I think this one was the first one where you could tell he was really struggling with that press. You could tell that he wasn't as effective as he usually is and it also you know going back to the point of why didn't he start chiesa for example i think these guys are just tired i think these guys are just spent like locatelli looked spent as hell and and it's re- like with good reason like he's been playing pretty much every game for juventus almost getting no rest and then he goes and it's like national team and then back and then you get another 90 minutes and then you have to go play to, in russia and now you have to go fly back from russia like these dudes are spent like that's why I wasn't super upset that at the fact that Chiesa didn't start because he's another guy that had, you know, pretty significant workload. And, you know, these guys, they're not robots. Like, I mean, they're going to explode if they keep like playing them all this much. I, I, I think this was the first game that you could definitely see that Locatelli was struggling and I don't, you know, it's first because of interest pressing, which was really good, but also just because I, I think he's tired. I I think, and under, you know, I don't know if we've we've talked about this enough, but a lot of the success of this season is going to end up on keeping key guys like your Manuel Locatellis, like your Federico Chiesas, like your Pablo Bales. like those dudes, you know, they're going to, you know, Max is going to have to find a, a good balance between playing them a lot because they're really good and they help your team succeed, but also giving them enough breaks that that they just don't burn out. And, and I think this was the first time that that you could see Locatelli struggling physically a little bit. So I, I do hope they they give him a breather against uh, Sassuolo midweek because you know he's not going to be able to keep this up for for a whole season.
0: Yeah, I, I had written the same thing in the uh, in the comments section of I think it was the game time thread or the post. No, I think it was the game time thread. Um, the same, you know, the same point that on Chiesa anyway, that he's just really probably exhausted. I think we've mentioned this in previous episodes. He's essentially played uh was it like almost two years straight, I think. Uh if my memory serves me correctly. Well year and a half, sorry, year and a half straight basically because of obviously with the COVID pandemic shutdown. But yeah, I mean, you know, he's basically played a, a year and a half uh straight. And I mean really the shutdown wasn't even a break because of all obviously all the, you know. All things going on yeah i mean he had a long euros tournament you know, all the way to the final and then what a few weeks break and then season started up again so yeah i mean he's just had a very very taxing uh well and for Locatelli as well of course i mean he was at the euros too i didn't play as much uh well, yeah no uh let me see yeah no he played i mean he played roughly as much as is, i guess over the co- course of the tournament um So, yeah, I mean, again, these these people are human beings, uh, lest we forget. And, yeah, they need rest as well. And, you know, not not just that. Chiesa had a, you know, below average last three games or so. I mean, he wasn't bad or anything, but he just, you know, wasn't obviously didn't have the same type of impact on the last uh, two or three games uh, as he did before that, which is probably a common indicator of just fatigue, Um, you know, especially if you're coming off such a great run of, performances to then have two or three poor games that yeah i mean you're probably tired (laughs) um so you know in in that sense it's like what's the point of playing a tired player who's relatively off form i mean off form two or three games but you know kind of off form in such a big game i I think it's just there's no point in playing him then you might as well bench him and just let him rest because i don't know people always have this idea that you should ba- You should play your best players no matter what, even if they're a little bit injured or exhausted. I just think that's just not true. You know, I, I yeah, I think that's over. I think it's overvaluing the impact of the individual in a team sport, um, especially team sport like football. So I, you know, I think Allegri was right to bench him and you know introduce him then late on in the game to uh, yeah to make that late game impact. And uh, yeah, Locatelli as well. I mean, you know, maybe he can get a break against Sassuolo. Get that. I mean, with Artur being fit, you know, I think it would be uh, a would be a good time to uh, to do that.
2: Will they have to have any meetings about Locatelli resting against Sassuolo?
0: Well, they'll probably have to have a meeting about having a meeting to talk about (laughs) Locatelli possibly being rested and then resting him. Yeah, I don't know. I was trying to be a little creative with that one. <laughs> um, but, uh, and, and uh, just, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, you got to try some mental gymnastics, as, as much mental mental gymnastics as they did with all those meetings to get Locatelli. So, yeah, I kind of brought a full circle there. And uh, it just kind of quickly speaking on, um, well, midfield, central midfield, slash Locatelli, uh, the one kind of strange thing I, I thought that Alleghe did yesterday, which is. Yeah, I mean, I just really don't understand why he did that, was when uh, Bernardeschi went off uh, injured, and then he brought uh, Bentancur on, which, you know, was fine. But then he played him on the left of midfield, you know, on the left wing. And I was watching him because I thought, that, you know, oh, okay, McKinney's just going to go on the left. But uh, McKinney played, played centrally with Locatelli, and then Bentancur was uh, left of midfield. I just could not understand why. I mean it really made no sense. I, I don't know.
2: Yeah. Out of all the changes Max made, I think that was the most confusing because you, I like you was thinking, okay, Benton comes on, he slots in right next to Locatelli. Like he's been playing for the last month. And then McKinney, who's obviously a little more tactically flexible can play out wide and, you know, drift in like he, like he, he's done this year and obviously did last year under perlo but yeah, I mean, seeing Bentoncore out there, I mean, you could tell that he was not comfortable at all. Because, like I, you know, to mention my post game again, he looked like Bentoncore of last season rather than the improved version we've seen this year, where you know he's not making as many self inflicted errors. But yeah, he he looked a little lost out wide, to to say the least.
0: Yeah, and that probably explains indeed his performance. Uh, well, his poor performance in the first half, anyway.
3: Yeah, I think sometimes in – and this goes back to, to a point that, you know, I think many Juba fans that always struggled with in the, in the, you know, first Allegri years, which is sometimes I, I think my guy gets too cute for his own, like for his, you know, I mean, he just tries to get too cute with it. And, and that's exactly one of the things that, that, you know, he would do, like, I'm not going to change the tactical setup. I'm just going to slot in Bentancourt and hope that, you know, he does the same thing that Bernardeschi can do. And they're two different players with two very different profiles and, Bernard and sorry, Bentancourt looked really uncomfortable all game long because that's really of all the things that Bentancourt can't do, you know, playing on the wing is decidedly one of those things. So, you know, just because it's a lot of hit and miss, like he enjoys kind of figuring guys out and seeing if they can play in different places. And sometimes that leads to a lot of brilliance, you know, that you look back and it's like, how, like, how did he see what none of us saw? in doing this tactical setup that you know that made Mario Mandzukic a left winger, which like everyone and their mother were against when we first started seeing it. And suddenly it's like, oh, he's a mismatch against fullbacks. And and he gets like all these wide open headers and he has the work rate to kind of like go back and defend and like, you just you start thinking like, okay, it makes sense. But, you know, sometimes he gets too cute with it. And that's how you end up with Rodrigo Bentancur on the wing. That's how you end up with, that one game in which Weston McKinney was supposed to be the creative midfielder, which was also kind of of like a mess. Uh, That's how you get Federico Chiesa playing as a striker, which is, you know, to me, something that's just not really working. Um, But then again, you also get games like Federico Bernardeschi against Chelsea, right, where they played him kind of as this creative midfielder, second striker sort of thing, and and it worked, and he played really well. So, you know, I, I think you you live with Allegri when he gets it right and you die with him when he gets it wrong. And that's just part of who he is. That's just part of of his essence as a manager. Sometimes it's going to work out really well. Sometimes you're going to get a game like this one where he just really, really struggled and no one really understood what he was trying to do. You know, I guess it's, it's who he is at this point in, in his career and, you know, you just take the good with the bad, I guess.
2: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase
1: necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
2: Well, thank you for setting me up, Sergio, because that serves into a very good transition into uh, essentially just kind of a two-month job performance review of Max Allegri. I mean, obviously, we've seen a lot of good in the last couple of weeks with the team rebounding after its awful start and just in general, how do we feel like Max has done knowing that he's had to get this team, not necessarily out of crisis mode to start the season, but out of a very bad start. And obviously they're now what all of one point out of the top four. Oh, well, very well. <laughs> um, definitely. And there we go. Thank you, Chuck. We appreciate it. And we'll talk yeah. to you guys next week.
0: And that wraps it up for today again. episode I'm always finished with a bang. And uh always finish with a bang. You know? always, uh, always with a bang. <laughs> no, definitely defensively. I'll just focus on, um, yeah, defensively. That definitely has improved dramatically because, um, yeah, I mean, you'll remember me saying that I thought we were so bad defensively that we should just, you know, throw it all out the window and just say, okay, let's just go gung-ho attack which uh that, you know, that I, is the
2: second week you've brought that up and you've brought that up on your own so i i commend you for essentially bringing the receipts on yourself a, thank you thank you
0: appreciate that <laughs> you know i uh, try to you know try to you know eat that humble pie sometimes and uh you know uh yeah just kind of uh, admit my faults um which you know is kind of unrelated but i think oh yeah it's from that book i think i'd reference that last week as well um that uh book by adam grant uh think again which again i highly recommend oh, one of the things he recommends is like not tying your identity too much to your opinions so you know um it makes it harder to change your mind if you're like you know no i am a staunch you know anti-defender person or anti-attacking person so anyway just a fun fun point on that but yeah defensively uh we've definitely just improved uh, dramatically unfortunately of course we uh Lost our uh, consecutive records of uh, or consecutive number of games of um, clean sheets uh, yesterday, thanks to uh, Edin Dzeko. Um That really was a perfect. I think you, you wrote that, Danny. That how everything just like fell perfectly on that goal. Like it just deflected perfectly onto the crossbar. And <laughs> perfectly, exactly. yes.
2: It had it had the perfect deflection off of Manuel Locatelli, the aforementioned Manuel Locatelli. It had the perfect deflection off the post to and Dzeko I mean he didn't have to move yeah <laughs> and then obviously Chesney after diving for it didn't have enough time to recover yeah. and it was a wide open goal so yeah it was <laughs> it was a shot that was really going wide from the start and then it ended up as as a goal and I was yeah. just it was just about luck on bad luck stacked on top of more bad luck for Juventus
0: yeah, sure, sure was, but you know, again, that was obviously at that point was uh, deserved the uh, deserved goal. But um, yeah, no, defensively things have just gotten dramatically better. Um, I think tactically as well. You know, we seem to have a pretty good system going on. Just a again a straight four four two. Which uh, <laughs> speaking of identity, I used to be a very uh, anti four four two person. I just thought it was a very I don't know archaic formation and all that. But uh, you know, it works. Uh, I mean, it can work with the right players and just the right system right. Kind of, yeah, set up, I guess, right, coach. Uh, it can work. So, you know, credit Allegri for that. And, and uh, you know, I mentioned it before he uh, got COVID that uh, Adrian Rabio was just kind of that, I guess, that tactical kind of connecting force, kind of like Matuidi again. You know, I think the more I think about it, the more I just see those similarities between uh, Matuidi and uh, Rabio. Uh, yeah, Rabio playing left of midfield on that in that four four two, so it is, I mean, this is still four four two, but it's kind of a pseudo 4 4 3 3 kind of formation. Um, so that tactical fluidity as well, that in-game tactical fluidity so that you don't have to change formations, uh, or sorry, that you don't have to do a substitution to change formation. Yeah, I think those, you know, those things, Alec has just done really well, just to bring that sense of, you know, everybody knows what's going on, everybody kind of understands their roles, we figured out a way to play Rabio Bentancourt, Rabio and Bentancourt together. And I mean just look at as well together, which um, you know, last year that was kind of the the just yeah, eternal dilemma of like how can we figure out how to play um, specifically Bentancourt and Rabio together. And yeah, he's figured that out too. So yeah, he's done that really well. And I was thinking about this the other day. I think he's done I think he Alleghi deserves a lot of credit for um, managing. Uh, not only the minutes of, like, Chiesa and stuff, but uh, really the managing the minutes of Chiellini, Bonucci, and Delecht. Because um, I've noticed he's just been basically rotating the three of them every yeah every game, uh, not really sticking with just two of them and then benching one of them all the time. But I think almost every game he's just rotating, like, one of them out. Like, Delecht will sit one, and then next game the uh, Chiellini will sit one. Bonucci for the most part seems to play all the
2: time. But... Yeah, it, it's been more of Chiellini and Delict rotating than, yeah. than three of them kind of in a continuous cycle. Yeah, yeah, true that, true. And which it makes sense,
0: you know, because Chiellini is the most vulnerable one that does need to be managed, uh, yeah, most uh, most attentively. So I think that has been, um, yeah, very impressive. And unsurprisingly, Chiellini has barely or not at all even had an injury. I think uh, I can't remember one. So, um, now yeah, you're going to, now
2: you're going to jinx it.
0: <laughs> oh We're going to come would.
2: back. We're going to clip <laughs> this part that you just said right when he gets injured and say, Chuck's it's Chuck's is fault.
0: Yeah. He'll probably, I don't know, trip over his own toenails and pull a hamstring or something. I don't know <laughs> while trying to get a cup of orange juice or something, something ridiculous like that. But uh yeah, no, I, I like it. Uh, yeah. Like I said, he, he deserves, I think a lot of credit just for all those things. And, uh, yeah, let's see if he can, uh, if you can keep it up and just keep up that kind of um, back to just that, that true Alleghi kind of identity of, you know, we're just going to play one nils. We're going to play basically boring football <laughs> um, and, um, you know, steal an occasional goal here and there and yeah, then just grind it out. So, which again, I mean, it isn't pretty, but you know, we, we talked about this off air I mean, what do people expect? I mean, that's what you're going to get with Allegri. I mean, if you want, you know, champagne football, hire Jurgen Klopp or something. And we tried that for two years and that didn't work. So, I mean, this is just what you're going to get. And fair enough. I mean, it's, I guess it's good enough.
3: I I think Chuck's, uh, you know, alleged to it a little bit when he was talking about the defense. But, you know, the, the thing that just jumps out at me more and more is just, you know, this is a professional football club again. This is, you know, they just look like they know what they're doing. They know where they're supposed to go. They're just a well-drilled football club that at the very least, even, you know, even if 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 you're not a fan of Allegri, if you're not a fan of Juventus at, at this moment or whatever, at the very least, the thing that has stopped is the mistakes. At the very least, like, they're not making the same mistakes that they were making pretty much all of last season. You know, going back to the Saturday year, they're just a, a team that, in the worst case scenario they're just not going to make it easy for you and the the you know the sad reality with pirlo and, and you know people who listen to, to his podcast now who you know read the blog now i, I was you know one of the the guys that kind of cut pirlo more slack than most but i i could never say that about the pirlo led team they just didn't look like a team that they, they always looked one step away from a team that was just going to self-destruct, that they were just like always in that high wire act of, you know, just about to make a mistake, just about to give the ball away in a dangerous area. And, and really, when you take away the first few matches, which was really, you know, the, the big reason why they're not, you know, in the top in the top three spot right now, it was that, you know, early season skid. The team has played really well. The team has played really well. They're, they're getting wins. They're getting results they're finally kind of starting to resemble that that Juve teams that, that we were used to, right? Uh, so I, I would say, you know, maybe the expectations were a little bit too high with, with Allegri just because we knew him, just because we thought that he would hit the ground running. Maybe that's, that, that wasn't the case. Maybe we should have, you know, expected or allowed for a little bit of an adaptation period, which was those first few matches, which were you know, which was ghastly, which was really bad, but really after, you know, the, the Spezia match, which really kind of kicked off their winning streak, they've been really good. They've just been, you know, no, no caveats, a really good football team. They're going to struggle because of that early season skid, but in general, I think he's doing a good job. He's doing a good job. He's taking the best out of this team. He's, you know, making them at the worst level, just play adequate football. And I don't think that's something that we could say about Andrea Pirlo. And I don't think that's something that we could say about most of the Mauricio Sarriera. So, yeah, I, I, you know, going at it big picture, I think he's been pretty much what we needed and what I expected. Just a return to normalcy, a return to just being a professional, you know, a professional serious football club that is not going to shit themselves in the foot too much. And and that's what they have been. Honestly, I, I think with a couple added good surprises like that Chelsea win that no one really expected or, or you know, saw coming. That, that, that's that was kind of like the, you know, alleged trademark, like he was going to, you know, produce better performances against teams that they shouldn't and play down to their competition sometimes. And that's kind of been one of the negatives of, of him at times that has been a little bit true this season. Like we said, sometimes he gets too cute. Sometimes he tries to, you know, break the wheel when there's really no needs to break the wheel. Um, those are just things that you're gonna have to live with if Max Alegre is your coach. But overall, in in you know, in the larger picture, I think he's done a good job. He's done a good job. We're going to, you know, we can do this this check in and uh, you know at the holiday, maybe at the winter break, uh, to see if it if it still holds true. But you know, overall, I, I think he's been pretty much as advertised, I would think. And and that's a good thing for Juventus because despite all of, you know, sometimes the discourse that, that goes on and, and sometimes even our, our own criticisms, Max Allegri is a good coach. He's a good coach. He's a, He has a proven track record of success. And I think he's showing it right now that he's a good coach, a successful coach. And I'm, um, you know, definitely happy that, that he's the Juventus coach.
0: Uh, just to add to that, uh, tag on to that, Sergio, uh, I think one thing, that Alleghi deserves some credit for somebody, somebody deserves some credit for uh, is the fact that um, I, I mean, I can't really, I can't really tell you any one UV player that's like in a bad run of form. Like, you know, I can't think of, well, Aaron Ramsey, but I mean, yeah, no, I think he's a lost cause anyway. Sorry, Aaron, but, um, <laughs> but um, <laughs> for some chance you're listening to this, but uh, yeah, besides Ramsey, you know, yeah, every player is just playing just, solid football i mean you know not nine out of ten ten out of ten but you know just just solid football not making any ridiculously stupid mistakes and just um yeah i mean just playing just adequate like you said um uh, i mean just on the individual level not not on the team level but uh, yeah just every individual player just seems to be just yeah playing solid you know football and just being reliable and dependable. And I mean, we've got, you know, Bernadeschi and Vasilio playing good football as well. I mean, who would have ever thought that? I mean, that's, yeah. Talk about redemption and then just, you know, I don't know, return from, from nowhere Um, to have those two players actually playing pretty decent football. That's, I mean, that's like, you know, an extra signing basically uh, to have that, um, extra oh, one or two signings uh, to have that happen to the team so that's really really good whether that was Allegri or just i don't know just the players just i don't know just feeling better <laughs> or something uh, who knows what what happened but um yeah that that's a you know hugely positive uh, positive event
3: yeah that's exactly what we we're talking about right like how many times in the last two years we were just saying like these are good players these are good guys what's going on like how are they playing this bad they're good players and we're finally seeing like exactly what chuck said like at worst they're just playing at the level that you are accustomed to seeing them like at worst they're okay because they're good players like this is not a terrible squad this is not a you know the the we joked about it early on because they were actually in the relegation zone but this is not a relegation you know battler in in terms of of you know players so it, it really is good to see just the fact that, yeah, they might still not be world beaters. They might still not be playing excellent, awesome football. I'm not making any plans of attending the Champions League final because they'll definitely make it there. Like it, it's not like that, but at worst they're playing at the level of, of ability and skill that they have. And, and as we have seen the last two years, that's not nothing. That's not a given. So so yeah, overall overall good marks. Good marks for the Max Allegri 2.0 era.
2: And just as a final note, remember this is a team that lost its leading goal scorer a week before the season started. You know, he he just up and said, "Yep, I'm done." So obviously Max had to change a little bit of his plans, I would assume. And also, I mean the the players have talked about it just kind of how you know, it was probably a, a mental hit to them to see Ronaldo leave. And now they're starting to feel better about things again. And I mean, it's, you know, we got the, (laughs) you know, it, it just, it coincides with the, the all or nothing preview that we got a couple of days ago and how many shots of the locker room were just a player sitting there pissed off. I mean, I, I have a feeling that it was, even though it was probably a frustrating first half on Sunday against Inter, there wasn't as much uh, testosterone going through that locker room as there was, you know, if this had happened under Pirlo, just because it it seems like the, and to go back to what Sergio said at the very beginning of this, it seems like kind of that, that feeling that something good will happen is kind of is back. I mean, we don't know when it's going to happen. I mean, obviously it took until the 89th minute for Paulo Dybala to score and tie the game, but, Know, kind of that, that sense that something good will happen eventually is is I mean it, it's much more prevalent in my mind as I was watching yesterday than it was at you know compared to the opposite of last season where you're just expecting doom and gloom and pain to happen.
3: Yeah and, and just because I think we we as a as a podcast a little bit as a blog have taken the, the common decision to steer away from every and all Cristiano Ronaldo discourse. Uh, because I like, I'm just sick. I was just sick and tired of talking about Cristiano Ronaldo by the time he left, but you know, whatever your opinion of him as a, as a, as a, you know, figure as an idol, as a, as a human being, the truth of the matter is that he's a really, really good football player that, you know, the, the team, the coach, everyone had to expect at that point in the season that he was going to be with Juventus for the remainder of that season. So just to, you know, from, from a coaching perspective, just from a tactics perspective to think, okay, I'm going to have this guy who whatever his flaws may be is good for like 30 goals a year at all times. And sure, he has his deficiencies like every player and I'm going to have to adapt to those deficiencies. But at worst, he's going to score 25 to 30 goals and that's something I can rely on. And then he, he leaves. And, you know, when the season already started, that, that probably had a lot to do with it. And it was something that I think, I don't know how much was mentioned during that early season skit that, you know, looking back on it, it's like, okay, maybe that had a lot more to do with it that, that we gave it credit for at the beginning of the year. So I, I think that that's a, very, that's a very sharp point that I think we weren't really talking about
0: and also, uh, just you know, on the on the Allegri point, of course, you know, yeah, losing Ronaldo, like losing, you know, that's uh, that's a huge uh, huge miss. But you know, just with uh, with all the positivity that we're sharing now, I do want to stress. I mean, look, this is obviously not pinnacle or like peak uh, Juventus and peak um, Allegri era football. Like you know, we're still yeah i mean it's still not as good as it is as it once was and there're definitely still a lot of improvements that can be made um so i don't want it to come across from me anyway that we're like oh everything is you know lovely and awesome i mean we're still in eighth place or well, well i think it was eighth place uh very quickly checking sixth place now Six. oh sixth oh pardon me sixth place we're still you know we're still in sixth place and we're still 10 points off the top of the table so you know i mean we still have a lot of catching up to do and a lot of work to do. Although that said, I mean, Napoli and Milan have been almost perfect. Uh, they've only, yeah, almost perfect actually. So, um, that could just be them being, you know, way above their, their own like average, uh, performance rather than everybody else being so bad. But, um, yeah, I mean, still you know, we still have a lot of work to do, um, in terms of winning, possibly winning Scudetto and even getting top four. So, um, yeah, so still obviously keeping, uh, you know, our feet on the ground, but at the same time, recognizing that things have, you know, very much improved. Um, so, you know, I think that's, I think that's a pretty fair statement to say that, you know, things have definitely improved, uh, but can still improve
3: uh, a lot more. Definitely. We were already in Europe. We're already qualified for for the conference league or whatever the the third tier tournament. Yes, is. get, All in, right. there. All get right. in there. All right, that's that that's going to be my new thing. I, I really want them to make the conference league. That'd be that'd be fun. <laughs> that'd be dope.
0: That'll be one conference in your in your life that you would enjoy going to.
3: <laughs> Definitely, I mean that'd be fun. I mean, how could how do they not win the conference league if they make it there? Like how? How is that not their first European trophy in like 25, 30 years or whatever long has
2: it, has it been? I think we, we should go and ask our friends over at Chiesa di Toti how they're enjoying the Conference League these days, doing how their last quote-unquote European match went. Hey, that's a tough tournament, man. That's a tough
3: tournament. It's all good teams there.
0: Yeah, Thursday night at the uh, away at, uh, I don't even remember the team's name, uh, bodo Glint, yeah, that's a that's always a cracker
2: <laughs> always a cracker. you can't do it if you can't do it on a thursday night at bodo glint trucks you know it's
3: yeah it's tough you, you can't do it anywhere <laughs> they often say
2: that's right that's right all right let's get into a couple of twitter questions here before we wrap things up for the day first one here from at Lindsay 21 thoughts on dibala's return to me he looked he looked ready to go, but I also feel like he's had bad days and good days before, and yesterday could have just been a good day. I think it was a
3: good day, but it also was very encouraging just in the sense that last year, for example, it was, you know, everyone knows it was kind of like a lost year for him. But, you know, the the, the most – I don't know if worrying is the term, but, you know, the problem with him getting hurt was that it it took him so long – to kind of when he came back, it took him so long to get back to form. You know, he struggled, you know, coming back from the injuries and he struggled to, you know, get his feet wet. And and we would say, well, he's coming back from injury. You got to give him time. You got to give him some some minutes. So I honestly, I was very much expecting kind of like a redux of that uh, against Inter. I was expecting him to come back and be kind of like hit and miss, you know, you know, a, a guy coming back from injury, a guy getting back into form. And that wasn't the case. He, he kind of hit the ground running. Like he immediately was, you know, the Pablo vale that we were seeing early in the year that was just very dynamic, very creative, very focused there. I say very confident, just, just a guy that is really, you know, kind of feeling himself in that, in that, you know, I'm the leader of the team. I'm the captain. I'm the number 10, like, you know, finally kind of showing that. And he showed that from the get-go. I, I think that's very encouraging because like I said, All the other times that he's had this, you know, quote unquote, long layoffs. And it was kind of a long layoff. It didn't feel that way because of the international break. But it was like he did miss like a month. So it was kind of like a long layoff. But he just hit the ground running. And I think that's very encouraging just from a confidence standpoint, just from from a standpoint that, you know, you can expect him to immediately go back to a player that we saw early in the season, which was a really, really good player. So, you know, call me an an optimistic, an optimist, but, you know, I I think, I think he is going to come back and, and, you know, really hit the ground, continue this form and and become kind of like a key guy for, for this team again, especially with, you know, finally, which, you know, it's been a running joke in this podcast, but finally his contract seems like it's finally a sorted deal. You know, trusted sources are fine like, reporting that it's done, that it's just about signing it. And, you know, because it's been that way since it started, like now the reporter, like his agent is like has flown back to Argentina, but he's definitely coming back to sign the whole thing next month, which is just ridiculous at this point. But, you know, it, it finally seems like the thing is going to get sorted. So I can't, you know, I can definitely see a scenario in which the contract thing is sorted. He was finally feeling himself. He feels sure in the in, in his position and standing in the club. You know, this this might be this might be a good year to 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 be Paulo Dybala for sure.
0: And I think do we just saw that yesterday as well when he came on, um, I thought the team significantly improved. And he didn't even, you know, play like stunning football yesterday. I mean, he played well, but you know, it was just his impact, tactical impact on the team. Um, he brought yesterday, especially he brought what was really missing during that game, which was just, you know, foot on the ball forward, you know, a forward playing ball well, striker, a playmaker striker that was, you know, foot on the ball. Okay. Get the ball. Let's take some control of the, of the game, keep possession and actually get the ball from midfield connected to attack. Uh, that was what we were really missing. I thought yesterday, uh, in the first half, especially, um that DiBala really brought to the team you know when he came on we were actually able to get the ball to attack keep it in attack and still continue to kind of circulate it um yeah through attack and just you know actually create an opportunity instead of you know just getting the ball to attack and then just kind of I don't know bounces around and we lose it so um yeah I mean we just saw just not only his his own individual ability but it's just tactical impact on the team and not only that I think you know what a surprise it is to see uh, players playing well when they actually play in their positions. You know, he's, I mean, he's adequate as a false nine. He's, you know, decent enough. Uh, He did play some pretty good games uh, as a false nine uh, with uh, Sari. He's adequate ish as a right uh, winger kind of cutting inside, but really, 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 his position is that seconda punta uh, behind another forward. Uh, in this case, in a four-four-two, but you know, in and in whatever other um, formation, just playing behind, you know, another striker that clearly is his best position, and you know, he clearly has uh, plays his best football there. So, you know, if we keep Allegri and keep DiBala, I think both will benefit uh, from that.
3: Yeah, I think Juventus just doesn't have a guy like him. Like they just don't. Like. You know, Mois Keen, Álvaro Morata, they're, they're strikers as well, but they have, you know, it's a completely different profile. Uh, you know, Federico Chiesa, he's arguably their most talented player. Uh, but, you know, he, like, again, he just doesn't have that skill set. Like, he's all pace and flair and dribble and, you know, make things happen. And they just don't have exactly what Chuck was saying. Like, the only guy that can actually, you know, take the ball and hold it and distribute it and find that creative solution, find that, one extra pass that one added bit of, of you know technical skill that's dibala and without him they they really lack in that so so yeah I, I think just because of like Chuck said like the tactical style the the tactical fit he he can be and he has been so so important to his team so to have him back is is going to be a, a real boost hopefully. Just hopefully he doesn't hurt get hurt again. That that's it. That that's all that's all he needs right now. Just he has everything to succeed in front of him. Just if his body doesn't fail him, he's gonna have a great season.
2: Yeah, Chuck's mentioned the, the different kind of dimension that Dybala added in about a half hour against Inter. He completed 89% of his passes. He was four for four on ground duels, one, two for two on dribbles, one, two fouls, one, two key passes, and obviously the game time goals. So He did a lot in a short amount of time, and obviously Juventus needed every bit of it because, like we we said earlier, things were rather disjointed in the first half. So uh, next Twitter question here from at Satyam that night. With all the matches in mind, I think Juve have done a pretty good job reviving their form. I think Allegri did very well. But do you think Juventus are suddenly among Champions League contenders. I think we are not, but we are getting closer.
3: Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I mean, you know, the the list of teams that are, you know, quote-unquote Champions League contenders, it's very short. It's maybe two, three teams at tops, you know, and after that is just luck of the draw is just how, you know, how, how, you know, your team is doing at the moment when you get the, the knockouts uh, you know, whether or not you have any key injuries and at a, at a big game, like it's just, it's dependent of so many things. And, you know, I think I, I said it at, in one piece a long time ago that, you know, the, that Real Madrid streak that they were on that they were just like winning back-to-back champions. Like it was remarkable. Yes. Because they were a very talented team. They were a very good team. But also, like, if you look at every single run that they had to the championship in those years, it was also a lot of luck, a lot of good bounces, a lot of favorable draws. And that's not taking anything away from them. They were like an all-time team. But it just goes to show you that even if you put everything together, even if you have, like, a super talented team, a super talented squad, sometimes, you know, you'll you'll just have a bad break you'll just have a bad injury at a bad time and that's going to cost you in those competitions. So I wouldn't put Juventus as a, as a, you know, as a contender, definitely not. But I, you know, once you get to the knockout rounds, we've seen it before with Allegri in that 24, 2015 season in which Juventus was very much not uh, a contender and then made it to the final. So, you know, you, you just never, never know. And Juventus has had such bad luck in Europe as a whole that, you know, who knows, maybe, maybe this year when no one really has any expectations for this club, maybe this is the one who knows, but you know, I I think that their only big test, which was against Chelsea, they won. So that's not nothing. You know, if you want to, if you want to buy into it, that's not nothing. Those are the reigning champions of Europe. That's a really good team and you know, they beat them. So
2: who knows? Chuck's had to step away for a minute. So we will conclude things on this question, Sergio from our aforementioned friends at Chiesa di Toti. And it is a, (laughs) uh, a not exactly Juventus related one. Sergio, your preferred breakfast food, waffles or pancakes?
3: Well, that's tough. That's tough. You know, (laughs) I've never been much of a pancake guy. Like, don't get me wrong. I like pancakes. Like they're good, but I, I don't know. I just, you know, I, I I think they need a crisp. They have no crisp factor. I like crispy things. So I have to go waffle. Waffle does have the crisp, has the soft inside of a, of a hot cake, but it has the crisp. That's important. I think I have to go waffles.
2: Now you're, you're talking with a pancake guy, Sergio. So unfortunately we don't have Chucks here to finish things up. So yeah. we don't have the tiebreaker. So it's a, it's
3: a draw. Yeah. That's a shame.
2: No. <laughs> oh convenient a one one draw and we'll wrap things up there so (laughs) thank you all for your for your twitter questions we appreciate them as always even if they are asking what our favorite breakfast foods are i think in the last few months we've gotten a breakfast question and a coffee question so if you guys want to continue sending us food questions we are more than welcome to answer them and to turn this into the old lady speaks about breakfast so with all that being said, you can send us your Twitter questions at Juventus Nation on Twitter. You can also follow us there as well as on Facebook. Search black and white and red all over. You can also do that on your favorite podcasting platforms, like we said at the front of the show, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. So for Chucks, for Sergio, and for New Dad Sanlopressi, this is Danny saying thank you very much for listening, and we will talk to you guys next week.